here we go. Hey guys, welcome to episode <coughs> 105 of CMD Towers, <coughs> Brews, and Builds. I'm Mr. Comet number five, and my fellow host has consulted the ancient Animus to see how Ooh. much money he will spend on sealed products in 2022. Big Tuck. It's going to be a lot. Uh, and also, uh, redacted bit here. We're waiting all day for that one. I, God, that was such an exhausting episode, and we didn't even get through it. So, like, yeah. <laughs> we didn't even get to Warhammer, and we're just like, we're done. Uh, it's got to be a horrible year. I'm going to probably spend a lot of money. Uh, oh, I wanted to, I, I thought about this yesterday. So have you gotten, you've gotten to play with the, uh, adventures of forgotten realms pre-con, correct? No, you've not played with any of them. None of them. Okay. So I have gotten in a few games and as much as I hate that set and its idea, those decks are actually really fun and really interesting. And there are some like really awesome cards in there that I was like, what? Like, how do we miss this yeah. during one of the 17 previews that we did beforehand? It's, it's entirely too much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I ended up building my dungeon deck from scratch. Hindsight probably would have been cheaper to just buy the Sephiroth deck and then build it off yeah. of that. But hey, here we are. Exactly. Uh, it's still only, I think it still only cost me $120 to make it. Oh, nice. And that's yeah. doing alternate art foil versions of all the cards available. Of whatever so, you can, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I felt like that was decent, uh, but I still forgot cards. Like I sat there, researched dungeons forever, and I still missed like two or three cards that I had to order after the fact. What? There's only uh, like 10 yeah, like cards a, that say venture into the I dungeon. I know, I totally forgot about that legend uh, that's in Azorius that allows you to get the trigger twice. Oh yeah, you I, have, I, I, I have one of those from a friend, so I guess I have to- yeah, it was, I, I mean, yeah, just for some reason, I uh, had completely forgotten that, even though I literally built the deck with zero ways to win outside of dungeons. So did did you leave in the one that's like when you're attacked, you get a clue, and then whenever you sack a clue, you go in? Okay. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, that hell code yeah. is, that's like good, right? Like, I think it's good in a, in a like a general deck, right? Yeah, I I love it. I think it's a good card. The reason I kept it in the deck, though, was because I also put... Um, Tamio's Journal, right? Yeah, Tamio's Journal in there. I kept wanting to call it Teferi's Amulet, and I'm like, nope, that's not <laughs> it. Uh, Tamio's Journal. That just that generates food tokens instead. <laughs> Teferi's or phase or tokens. No, Homerid tokens, and then you can eat them. Oh, my God. <laughs> so uh, I, the only reason I kept that in there is because of Tamio's Journal, because I don't have really any ways to tutor in the mm. deck because I am hardcore in this dungeon thing. It's like, meh, if it ends up working out, I might be able to go tutor. And literally, that's how I won the one game I played with Oh, it. really? Tamio's journal, that. I got three clues, went and got omniscience, played it, won the game on the spot. Wow, no way. Yeah. That's incredible. Okay, so it's good. <laughs> yeah. I Wait, mean, did, I you, did you have I, the other card out that like when you're getting attacked, you're also generating clues or you just had Tamio's? Oh, no. I, I just I, I think I had that out for like a turn or two and then okay. I got blown up and oh, then sure. I just had Tamios. Yeah, so yeah. um yeah, I think I think it's good. I think it's a card that it'll be let's call this. If smothering tithe is like the ceiling of mono white tax, I would say this is like or let's do this. Ristic study, smothering tithe are the same. I would put this in like the Mystic Remora category only because Mr. Gramora doesn't stay around as, as long. Sure, okay. So it's like you, you get a couple quick hits of value yeah. potentially. This is a card that I could see sitting there and you're gonna get value 
on the same kind of level to where Mystic Reborn, you can get value maybe one, two turns tops. This is one where it's like, it'll be nice maybe on six combats or five combats throughout the game, but it's not going to be groundbreaking like a Smothering Tithe or a Rhystic Study. Right, right, right. And I'm actually got it. Do you remember what the name of the card is called? Nope. Totally don't. Uh, What's wait. it with everyone shipping stuff without tracking? I'm like over here. Wait, like, I'm pretty sure I like bought this stuff. Um, oh, okay. So the card three is three weeks ago. The card okay, is called sorry, Thorough Investigation. For those who don't, who aren't, who aren't keen in on this, two colors and a white for an enchantment. Whenever you attack, investigate. Whenever you sack a clue, venture into the dungeon. So for me, I actually think this card is playable outside of the venture deck, right? Because it's like it's mono well, white. You can have dungeons in anything. Yeah, right. And like it's like. So this effect, because one of them, the first thing is just scry, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that in and of itself is good enough for like a mono white deck or like a white red deck where you're going to be attacking every turn anyway. So now you're at least yeah. you're getting something out of it. Anyways, how did, I don't know why this came up. Oh, because you're the only person I know that played this. And we're talking about AVR and the nightmare product land that we were in. <laughs> it's horrible. Uh, but yeah. Well, so apparently that's what Tuck's been going through. My life has been a lot less stressful Tuck, you and I have not had a true chance to talk about this. We're going to use the beginning of Bruising Builds to do this. Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Thoughts. Oh, uh, I don't care. Like, I, I'm i not the Marvel diehard you that you see, are. Yes, I've seen but it. Did you see No, did you see that it almost got half a billion views? Wait, I think what? It's, like <laughs> it's at 350 or 400. Oh, sorry, million. Yeah, three, half a billion. Yeah, it's at okay. 300, 350 to 400 million views right now. So it's past Avengers Endgame by over 100 million. And that's the one that had the previous record. Seriously? For most yeah. watched trailer. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think that it's fine. I am not very excited for it, to be honest with you. Um, I know you are because you're a Marvel fan, but here's my but argument. No, uh, go ahead. Here's my argument uh. with it, right? Like, a, it seems like there's not going to be any like the in my opinion, the Spider-Man movies that work the best are the ones with the lowest stakes. Right. For example, for me, the first one, Homecoming, was better than Far From Home because Spider-Man as a superhero to me is best when he's like dealing with like the dealing with being Spider-Man in a small scale. Right. Like bank robbers and that stuff like that's how the character started and now you're like roping in strange so this is my this is my take on it and then i'll let you convince me otherwise so you're roping in strange and making it entirely too complex than it needs to be and also the thing that frustrates me even more is like this is this is like totally marvel's path of being like they're so desperate to cling on to recognizable ip and actors that there's like anyone could have played a new Doc Ock, right? Like, Tom, like this is like a stupid example, but like Tom Hardy is Doctor Octopus, or like Ansel Elgort is Doctor Octopus, right? But they had to bring back effectively and literally from the dead Alvaro Molina, <laughs> who's like sixty. A bunch of fourteen-year-olds are gonna be like, "Who's this old fat guy with a bad haircut?" And why does it matter, <laughs> right? But like, they, like Disney knows this gimmick so well of being like, "Okay, yes, like we got the kids coming in because Spider-Man's cool." Um, and then we have like these old guys who are like, oh, I remember Spider-Man 2 being great and hopefully potentially Green Goblin, Spider-Man 1. Um, I do now with all that being said, with all that being said, I do like the, the two parts of that I liked is that it seems like Benedict Cumberbatch is in the pocket as Doctor Strange, like where he's like, OK, I won't cast a spell like wink, you know, like kind of that goofy <laughs> off kilter yeah. stuff. Um, and then I do like I think the Sinister Sticks is the it was like 
that is going to be that if this is the movie that has to build up to a Sinister Six kind of movie or like rogues gallery, I think those interactions of super villains is also really interesting. And I think that's like the that's like the that's like Joker levels of like Batman versus Joker, like Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six is like that exciting because there's such a crazy dynamic. in it. All right. So first question. Are you upset about Michael Keaton in the Flash movie playing uh, Bruce Wayne? I can't. I can't comment on any of that because I can't trust the DCU, right? Like, I think it's no. Also, no, I'm just asking on its surface right now. Are you okay with it? I don't need an explanation. Just yes or no. Are you okay with Michael Keaton coming back as Bruce Wayne? I'm just as upset with that as I am with Alfred Molina coming back as okay Spider Man. Fair enough. Second question. Did you like Spider-Verse, you know, going into the multiverse? I did like that as its own contained storyline that was also animated. Like, that was its own little thing. Now we're pulling in all this multiverse stuff. Like, it's... That's the same thing as that movie. Right, but then... It's all the same. This movie will also have all this baggage that I'll have to go through through the next iterations of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in in which it's going to have, like, all these ramifications. Like, that's, that's why... That's why Into the Spider-Verse works so well, because it's like perfect. It's like, this is like this little encapsulation in and of itself that's not related to any of these other movies. We can go as wild as we want. We don't have to care about temporalities. We don't have to care about named actors and screen time. They don't have to care about that either in the MCU because you haven't watched Wanda, or um, you haven't watched uh, Loki. Loki. There is multiple, like there is a multiverse and different continuities and different stories. So... They don't have to worry about that either because they but, have the multiverse. So now, now to just to enjoy a Spider-Man movie, I have to watch three seasons of TV on a channel that no, I don't you own. Don't. Just to get, just no, to get caught up. You're being you're being a grognard and nitpicking. That's why you have to go watch three seasons of a TV show on a thing that you're not paying for. If you would just accept, like, oh, it's a multiverse it's a, thing. It's a, it's a spider- that's a thing. I'll that, see that it. happens. I will say this. I'm way more excited about this than uh, than Black Widow. Still haven't seen it. Still don't, couldn't possibly care to see it. Um, it was I'm, mediocre. Yeah, exactly. And I was actually, it's a funny story. I was talking about this with someone else about you and like how much you like your Marvel movies because I was talking to someone about, he said he didn't like WandaVision. He thought uh, Captain versus the Winter Soldier was, was good. And then he said he loved Loki, the series, yeah. right? So I was telling... This, the apartment complex had a pool night, well, movie night, where they were showing uh, Black Widow, right? Oh, and okay. I was like, I'm pretty sure Mr. Combo, my friend, when he says, so when you come in and say a Marvel movie is excellent, I know I will like it. When you say it's good, it's kind of a 50-50 split. But when you, yeah. get, when you go in and even you say like, eh, it's okay, right? Like, it's fine. Then I'm like, I don't need, I don't need to watch it. <laughs> Like it's just gotta be, it's like, it's a hangover movie, but I will say this when you you have not, there's not been something that you have liked a lot and been like, you have to watch this that I haven't, that has not paid out like Mandalorian paid out doom patrol. Even even though doom patrol was a soft recommendation from you, very enjoyable as like a back, as like a background thing to like, just laugh at. Right. Um, the one I would give to you is the Harley Quinn series. Uh, Mm. the animated one. It's, it's actually, it's very, it's, it's the same scope. Like I can't recommend sitting down and shotgunning it a la the Mando. Cause that was like movie after movie after movie. Yeah. This one's just like, if you're just looking to blow 30 minutes and want to laugh or like a lot of times when I got back from the bars, I was like, I need to have a glass of water, you know, maybe throw a lip in. I'll watch an episode or two. And I'm like catching up on uh, my I phone. Gotcha. You know what I mean? That's so. fair. Well, last thing before we move on, um, Venom two, you're excited for that though, right? Yeah. 
I am. I think that they, I, uh, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this, but me and Mr. Combo are big stands. I think it's the term for it for Venom one. Oh. Like super, I don't know. I think that's what the internet calls Stands? it, right? And so my brother, my brother texted me. He's like, is Venom worth watching? And I was like, yeah, it's like, if you go into it as an action, like superhero movie, C ish, if you go in and expect it to be a dark comedy, B plus, maybe even higher. <laughs> it's so like, just, just that one scene of being like, you see, you see, uh, Eddie on my planet. I'm kind of a loser. Like you. Just like you. <laughs> he's like, excuse me? And then they just go right past it. Him making out with, I guess, spoilers, if you haven't seen this movie four years ago, the scene where he, like, tongue fucks female Venom. I remember when that came out, me and you were just like, what are we watching? <laughs> like, is this well, and the, biggest, and the biggest recommendation you can give people, Tuck, with that movie is Mr. Combo's fiance, who is not into superheroes mm. at all, watched the movie and laughed throughout. Oh, did she? So. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think it's she good, loved it. It's a good, like, I think it's a good, it's a good, like, have two beers and have a friend over and sit and watch yeah. it. It's like that. It's like perfect for that, right? It's like, it, it has a good clip to it. Tom Hardy's great. Uh, but yes, I think that they have that. I think with the second sequel, it's definitely going to be darker and more violent, which is good. Oh, if, yes. Yeah. And Arnage, I think, like, baby. I think they have that. I think they realize that they kind of have lightning in a bottle with like the two Tom Hardys yelling at each other. So I, I am yeah. very excited for that. The only thing I hope is that they don't kill off Carnage and yeah. Her uh, Woody Harrelson. They can build up to the, and I don't know if you remember this video game. I think it was called uh, Maximum um, Carnage. Spider-Man and yes. Venom Maximum Carnage. Yes. Yes. I yes. hope they build up from this movie into that because that would be, I'm One, getting goosebumps uh, thinking about it. I kind of just did too, actually. And I might because my air conditioner just kicked on. One of two. So this is a real deep cut for all you Super Nintendo Vorthos nerds out there. It was one of two SNES cartridges that were red instead of their traditional gray. It was that and Doom on Super Nintendo. So there you go. Well, and guys, if you want to help us out uh, with the 15 minutes of banter we just gave you, you should head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash cmdtower. I do promise that all the proceeds from that actually go to magic content, not me and Tuck's uh, movie addictions. Uh, we have four different tiers from just a dollar, five dollars, 15 and 25 a month. All of them come with a myriad of rewards, whether that be physical or emotional. Ooh, okay. Maybe that's on the table. Uh, like from it? anywhere from RK post tokens to our own custom CMD tower swag. And one of the nice things that you get, a part of any tier, is each week on a traditional Brews and Builds episode, we do, uh, if there's any voices that we do not currently have allocated, a random patron gets to select them. So Spencer Rabbits, thank you so much Ooh. for the voices. Uh, I do hate you, though, because you gave me more things from movies I haven't seen, like The Labyrinth. Uh, I that actually went through. I went through and actually watched these, so I can help. I can. I, I wrote. <laughs> I wrote liner notes on how to do these. All right. All right. Uh, but yeah, guys, and you also get additional entry to our monthly giveaways. A lot of things goes into our patron community. Uh, but your financial support really does help upgrade the equipment and keep improving the content. Now we do have a referral program, which was awesome. We mentioned last week, Limiting Lendings was our very first uh, current patron referrer. So if you are a current patron and you have a friend, frenemy, or someone at your LGS that you think would like to be a part of the collective, refer them to our patron, have them shoot us a message just saying, hey, this person referred us, and we'll actually send the referrer some free swag just for saying thanks, you know, growing the collective, infecting everyone. Uh -huh. 
And of course, we do have our store, cmdtower.com slash merch. So if you can't afford a monthly subscription, but you would like to pick up some of the things that you'll see on Mr. Bever's Twitch stream, MTG Lexicon, even the own CMD Tower stream. Hopefully we get that up and running here in the next month or so. Uh, you can head over to our store, buy the stuff. There's a redacted bit, but we'll keep moving. And of course, uh, if you don't have the means to help us out financially or want to, because you think we're trash, uh, just share the content yeah. you're listening to. Because every fair. little bit of interaction from the collective does help. And we want to give a big shout out to our audio producer at DeerSquee on Twitter. DeerSquee at CMD Tower is his email. Uh, Squee McGee does an amazing job editing Brews and Builds and MTG Action 4 News and any other promotional stuff we come out with. Uh, he does have a full studio. If you were ever in the Kansas City metro area, you can do in-person recording sessions. Or if you work remote, always send your stuff over the interwebs. That's literally what we do. And he can do the editing remotely. And our YouTube video is brought to you by at underscore T-Codes. Tyler does a lot of video editing across the MTG multiverse with different content creators. And seriously, guys, thank him for the upgraded version of these videos, because before you just got a PowerPoint with some random memes or <laughs> GIFs. That's about all I could handle. Uh, so definitely hit up Tyler for your own video editing projects. So Bruise and Bills is our deck tech series. Since we conquered the path to 32 and 12 themes of EDH decks, we have moved on to the classic brew from day one Bruise and Builds with a traditional episode. So we described the brewing of decks similar to how beer is brewed. So we broke it down to four different categories. The first one's ramp instead of your board state. That's grain. And grains are the foundation of every beer that include both base malts and specialty malts, usually in a 16 to 40 ratio. This helps with the color, the taste, and most importantly, the alcohol content of a beer. Decks always need ways to grow, stabilize, and ramp into bigger threats. And just like a grain profile, they usually mix of staples and specialty cards. And then we have how does your board interact with all of your opponents? We call that hops. And hops give the beer its patented bitterness and herbal floral flavors. They grow in a variety of strands and help distinguish subcategories of IPAs, like this uh, one we'll get into here in a minute, because the name is perfect, with Warrior, Chinook, Simcoe, trademark, Armorillo, Cascade, and Centennial hops. Our hop choices help clear the board and interact with uh, your opponents so your deck can do what it wants. And then we have, how does your board actually close out or win games? And this deck has some cute ways that it can do that. We call that yeast. Uh, yeast are living microorganisms that eat the sugar from the grain and then poop out alcohol and CO2. It adds alcohol content in the carbonation. Without yeast, you'd be drinking flat sugar water. Without yeast cards, your deck would meet the goal of actually winning the game. And then we have shenanigans, not the card. Although we, it'd be great to have it. That's really more of a hop, oh. ironically, isn't it? Does it, does <laughs> yeah. it destroy an uh, artifact? Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, but you can always bring it back from the graveyard, which is great. Anyways, yeah. these can be pet card synergies, alter the brews that are in the deck that are just kind of fun. We call that spice. And not every beer has them, but spices and other additives help separate a normal stock beer from a specialty one. It could be the pepper that turns a stout into jalapeno stout, additional hops that turn IPA into a double IPA. Not every deck has something that makes it pop, but if it does, this is where we generally talk about it. And then to wrap up the episode, we have a bottle capping. These are going to be big tuxenized cuts and adds to the deck that are going to be under $5, under $50, and a no budget recommendation. We just can't talk about those mana only lands. So without further ado, let's get brewing. Today, Tuck wanted to do a traditional Brews and Builds episode to get my thoughts on a deck that he has piloted. And funny thing, Tuck, every time I hear this commander's name, I always get him confused with the- uh, Alt-Rock band from Chicago? No. Uh, I get. I always get him confused with the white, blue, or white, black, red partners, where there's the dog and the guy. Oh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Paco and no, no, it's not Paco and Haldan. 
there's another one where it's a dude and like a wolf or something like that and it's like a partner and i'm pretty sure it came in the kudro recon the one i have i think so timner timnar hold on uh, yeah it's like timnar and something anyways i always get this guy <laughs> i should mixed know up it's my that. deck <laughs> So today we're actually talking Chevelle, the butcher of Ikoria. This is Chevelle, bane of monsters. Yes, it's uh, Death Touchy dot deck. Yeah, and so I kind of went a few ways in this, uh, which we'll get to. It's Silvar and Trin, which there does sound go. like Chevelle. Yes, which is also one of the decks which I actually just made some cuts to. So uh, Chevelle, bane of monsters, and not Chevelle, the aforementioned alternative rock band from Gray's Lake, outside of Chicago is a legendary creature, human rogue, uh, that's a 1-3 and it's a mythic. Uh, pretty upset that this now is evidently out of rotation or not played, because I'm pretty sure I paid $10 for the foil. Uh, wow. And it costs just, yeah, I know. <laughs> it costs Gol Golgari, uh, just a black and a green, and it has death touch. So at the beginning of your upkeep, if your opponent controls no permanence with a bounty counter on them, put a bounty counter on target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls. Whenever a permanent an opponent controls the bounty counter on it dies, you gain three life and draw a card. So uh, quick shout out to the brand new author, uh, our pal uh, MD Alvis from Joplin, uh, good friends with the Ultra Budget Brews. You can actually find his writing on Commander Heralds now. Uh, great friend of ours, uh, of the cast. He actually piloted this deck at, I believe, the first time where uh, Gregor Clandane Clegane drove me to punch beer cans off the balcony. So, so and, my birthday last year. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so I had a Golgari deck. It was Gerard. We never talked about it on here, which is indicative of the deck itself. Or maybe we did. I don't remember. It just was like Lord of Extinction combo bull crap that I've had for forever. So I want something that was a little bit more interactive. Um, and I landed on this one. So yeah, uh, it's really big on the death touch front of it, right? It's, it is kind of death touch deck. And then the sub theme also that I like into it is fighting. Um, there's a lot of fights, um, deals damage to that sort of thing. And it really is, it's definitely very, very casual, right? I built this intentionally to be like a kind of late night, don't have to do a lot of stuff, kind of like a 50% sort of deck, right? Um, I think it does, it's played better since I moved out here because as we had made mention, the Kansas City crew had become very creature-less. And there was times where I played this in Kansas City and literally couldn't do anything because all the creatures, like people running indestructible creatures or no creatures at all. So I was like, well, this kind of sucks. Um, but yeah, it's it's been fun. Um, it I think it still needs some twerking around, especially the way to win. That's really where I've kind of lost sight of it. It kind of turns into this like really cool um, value engine. Uh, it also is very it's fairly political because you can be like, hey, you know, if you help me kill this thing with a bounty counter on it, I'll make sure that it goes towards someone else. Maybe I'll draw into some help, that sort of thing. So I have enjoyed playing it. Um, I think it just needs a little bit more of like a little. There's a few inclusions and things that I think might make it a little more streamlined, have a little bit better draws and have a little bit more of an endpoint to it. And the last thing I'll say before I turn over Mr. Combo is the beer that I'm drinking today is from Terrapin out in Athens called the Hopsecutioner. Bum, 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 bum. So I got a few thoughts on yes. uh, um, this this commander. Uh, not so much the deck, but just the commander. Okay. Initially, this seems like a very narrow, probably not great for multiplayer guy. 
Because as I read him, it's beginning of your upkeep if they control yeah. no permanents with a bounty counter on them. But a bounty counter or a target creature or a planeswalker opponent controls. Well, I'm going to stop right there. That's stupid. Because now if someone has a bounty counter from something else that's on an enchantment, you don't get it. Because they have a permanent with a bounty counter. Sure. I'm, I'm just saying. Like, it's, there it's, are, it's, there's well, are some edge cases to it. Yeah, like Sir Nathan plays that, or he used to play that bounty deck in our right. play group. And so, you know, what we've seen that. Um, and the other thing I'm just not a fan of is that whenever a permanent opponent controls with a bounty counter it dies, you gain three life draw a card, but you could literally only put bounty counters at the beginning of your upkeep. So it's just not very conducive to a multiplayer game. I can see where this is better 1v1, because then it's literally sure, like, yeah. hey, back and know, forth. Upkeep, there we go. I kill it. Up, upkeep but this. It's like, well, I gotta wait, you know, for three other people to go before I can maybe do it. So that's that's my initial thoughts uh, on just the commander's build. It reminds me a lot of Triad of Fates. Uh, that's an Orzhov mm, yeah. two colorless that I tried to build, could not figure couldn't it out. It. Couldn't crack because, it. Couldn't crack it <laughs> because it's a fate counter. Legend matters, and so it's like fate counters and bounty counters are kind of these weird, yeah, niche yeah, yeah. type things. And then uh, this is also you have to tap it, so you can only do it once per rotation as right. well. Unless so, unless you want to build in intentionally to like go about yes. untapping it when there's no other function. Yeah. Um, so to your, that, that's to your my, point on the oh, sorry, go ahead. That's my initial thought on it, but I will say with the build that you've done, you have a lot of death touch in here, but I will yeah. say I can see now how you describe this as like a 50% type deck, because when I looked at it, I was like, good God, you have all the ramp in the world, all the interaction mm. in the world, and you really have like no ways to win. It just right, almost yeah. seems like this is a deck that you sit down and it's like, okay, well, I do this. Oh, you do that. Well, I'm going to do that. It, it almost seems like you're playing blue. Like, and, in a and, weird way. And that's a really good point. And what I was going to say to your to your point about the upkeep, honestly, the times where this deck has done the most, I'm playing like an upkeep deck. Like I hmm. have I have stuff saved up so that when the upkeep happens, I can interact with the board then, right? And then know that I'll be able to get the upkeep trigger every time. Like that's why I've thrown in a lot of cards that have that sort of interaction to it, which are kind of greasy um, in other ways. There's one that we'll get to later, which is like the best card in the deck. But yeah, it's definitely it is it is kind of like a weird control build as well. It, but the only thing that sucks on that is its creatures, right? So if you're playing a mm -hmm. bunch of non-creature decks, you're kind of either it's either feel bads because you just keep killing commanders over and over and over again, or sometimes you're like, okay, I guess I have to put it on this one planeswalker that I don't even want to attack. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally see that. Um, but yeah, you know that that's my initial thought on just the commander. I could definitely see this being more casual because of some of the limitations. Which that's yeah. fine. I mean, I know you like to do that. It is nice that he's a two drop. Get him down quick. Yep. Almost start, yeah. start doing some work. Uh, now, here's the question. It seems like we ask it every week now. The mana base. Did you do that on purpose? Because you're almost perfect. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure because I built this and played this. I literally played this maybe four times and just put it into tapped out last week because I knew I wanted mm. to do it this week and I didn't touch any of it. But okay. because I think one of the reasons why it is good is because of... Um, I did have Gerard in here, and I know I got his mana base like down to a point with like seven swamps, ten forests, and I also was able to get pretty much everything, every single land that taps for black or green as well, which I think always kind of helps with that stat. Yeah, and oh, uh, yours <laughs> and your CMC is a three one five, pretty pretty good. Seems low to the ground. I was kind of shocked by that to be honest with you, but I guess it's got like a pretty weird high end curve to it. Yeah, and you go 260 to 280 to pick up the deck. A little bit more expensive than I thought it would be, just to be frank. 
Um, I, usually, I agree. Usually, like, and one of the things that I want to start pointing out on our episodes is you have five mythics, 31 rares, 28 uncommons, 18 commons. When I see that kind of disparity, that also is somewhat confusing because, like, and I think that just goes to show that there is a lot of, not saying your deck has it, but what we would call bulk rares, just not high dollar cards. Yes. Um, and the show is having 36 cards in your deck being, you know, $240. I would actually thought with that number, maybe 400 450 Oh, really? Yeah, because usually like rares, you know, a lot of times the rares that we play in Commander are like five bucks. Yeah. You know, and three to five dollars somewhere in there. The mythics can be yep. upwards of 10 or 15. So it's just like when I start adding that up, it's like, holy crap, this thing can get expensive quick. But you're able to do a good job keeping it uh, low to the ground. Yeah. And to your point, if you look at the cost breakdown, there is like five to 20. There's 20 cards that are in that five to 20 range. So that I think that to your point, like even though they might be uncommons, or like bulk rares that have kind of risen up in price. Um, that's an interesting stat to look at as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get into the deck. Uh, Tuck, why don't you start us off? What is the first card you think is imperative to a Chevy deck? Uh, I believe we are gonna. We might be sharing this one because it's gonna make you reap some. Oh, death. yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. How did you, how have, did you know that was I mine? I have a history of this card. I just had a feeling because I think you and I have talked about this card on this cast before. So, right. are you ready? Hold on. Yep. Three, two, one. Death Reap Death Reap Ritual. Two colorless two. Golgari enchantment. <laughs> I'll, I'll, get, I'll give it to you. So, yes, uh, it is also an uncommon. It has morbid. At the beginning of each end step, if a creature died this turn, you may draw a card. And lucky for you, this is one provided by Spencer Rabbits of one that you did not know, which is the female version of Jareth from the Labyrinth movie. So sure. he's wanting a female David Bowie because that's the character that Bowie plays. So I watched it. I watched the clip before this. Let's see if we can go. <clears throat> All who set forth in Polano are pawns in someone else's play for power, which actually is a pretty good one for Marquesa. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I have no right. idea who I have no idea who you were talking as. I mean, I know of David Bowie, never seen uh, him in anything. Oh, fair. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, thank God you got that one. He's he's so, very like. Oh wait, you have seen him because he's in the Prestige. He plays Nikola Tesla in that with the two eyes and the mustache. That's David Bowie. Holy shit! Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I think it might have been his last on-screen performance too before he unfortunately passed away. So yeah. Wow, nuts. It is. Uh, this card used to be like $5 and then it got reprinted in the ground. So for me, I was like, okay, because this is a $5 uncommon, it has to be good. And then I yeah. ran it in a bunch of decks. I was like, this card does nothing. <laughs> but in this deck, it's so good. It's yeah. like, like if anyone else is playing a sack deck, you're drawing cards, you're going to be drawing at least a card on your, on your turn. I think that's really important. Like, I think this is a really good value train for this deck. Yeah, uh, I mean, your deck wants to be killing at least one thing, a rotation at a minimum. Yes. So at a minimum, this is a very, very slow... Well, hold on, because your commander also... Uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's a very slow Phyrexian Arena. That's right, just what yeah. it is. Extremely slow. But 
if your if your deck's humming like it is, and even though you may not be getting bounty counters each turn, each player's turn, if you're pinging one of their things each turn, including mm -hmm. your own turn, now it's an even better Phyrexian Arena because it's like you're still doing what you were gonna do. You're probably gonna do it anyways, but now you just draw four cards of rotation for just doing exactly. what your deck functions as. I yeah, I agree. I think this card's better than Phyrexian Arena. Also, again. We talked about this. I think Phyrexian Arena is overrated. So I have seen this card really do a lot of work in this deck. All right. Well, my second one is actually a Mana Dork, believe it or not. But this is one of my favorite Mana Dorks. Is it? Is it prowling around? Yeah. Is it prowling yeah, it around? Is. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's go. Three, two, one. Leyline Prowler. Prowler. A colorless black and a green for a 2-3 creature nightmare beast. That's an uncommon. How the hell are we 2-3? Because we're, we're good. Because we're good at this. Uh, Death Touch Lifelink. You can tap to add one mana of any color. And we have uh, Nayrix Slipfinger. Who sounds oh, a little bit a like one. our favorite our favorite uh puppet, Kermit the Frog. It feeds on the dark energies that course through the deep <laughs> room. And on any other creature lured by the leyline's pool. <laughs> Very good. Versus Pugger! Oh, that sounds like this, pain. Th this was brought to you by ABC. <laughs> oh, good lord. <laughs> yeah, you you, you can bleep that out. <laughs> Uh, so the, the reason I wanted to talk about this card is it does so many things for this deck. Yeah. One, it's a mana dork. Simple. It's a two, three. So it has a little bit bigger butt than chess. Yep. So it can be a decent blocker and it's only three mana. Great. Death touch though for this guy is so, so good. big because you could do it one of two ways. I'm going to swing and hit your Planeswalker. You only have a bounty counter on your creature. Do you want it to die to save your Planeswalker? Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm, it's kind mm -hmm. of up to you. Uh, or you keep it back as that defense. Because people are eventually going to be... We have to either kill Cheville every time it hits the battlefield. Yeah. Or we're going to have to just kill Tuck immediately. Because mm -hmm. this doesn't seem like the kind of deck that people could be like, uh, well, let me just board wipe you from time to time. Let me counterspell a thing. I don't think this yeah. deck prob I think this deck probably plays very well against control decks because you have so much redundancy in getting yes, your board established totally. and interacting that I you know, I don't think you really care. And so that's why I really like the Leyline Prowler, because it does defense, it does offense, yeah. it ramps you, and it's cheap. It does something that turn it comes out as a blocker, like a lot of Mandadorks don't, right? And I do think that's something I always forget is because I think it's so incidental. The fact that because usually when you play Cheville, I'm just drawing cards off it, right? And then sure. you, I sometimes just forget he gains life. But I think that is something that should could be a part of this deck, which we might get into a little bit later, of being able to have those things that also have lifelink, which we'll get into, playing into a little bit, a little tiny, tiny, tiny bit of like the life gain game and i think leyline's another great card to do that incidentally over time yeah couldn't agree more all right man don't say we're going three for three which i think we one? might i think we're going to i really feel like we're going to though i think we've talked about almost every single one of the car these cards on here except for a handful two of which is the ones that we went through there and this one is a card out of called okay that's a demon and maybe a Roger. Oh my God! Are you kidding? <laughs> Whack! We this may, uh, makes total sense to me. This is a card we've never talked about before. What are we? What was it gonna be? Utopia sprawl? I, I thought don't know. I almost, 
We could have talked I, about I, Reaper of the Wilds. I thought, well, I think I have some questions about that card, which we'll get into later. And I wish you kind of would have picked that, but <laughs> Thorn, I thought I thought you were going to go with Thorn of the Black Rose because you like it so much, but I think you realize mm. that you, we probably talked about it too much, but let's go. Ready? Three, Three two, one. Varagoth, Varagoth Bloodsky Blood Sire. Sire. Two colorless black legendary creature, Demon Rogue. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> death, death Touch, Slam Dunk already. And then he has Boast. So it's a colorless and a black target player searches their library aka me uh then search the library for a card shuffles their library and put that puts that card on top of it activate this ability only if a creature attacked this turn and only once each turn and to, and right now we have another classic from fraley's ready to parlay <clears throat> i waded through a second british woman <laughs> i waded through a river of fire to bring death to bredegard Bred bredegard Parlay, Mr. Mr. <laughs> Wait, what's it? Mr. Sparrow. There you go. Parlay, Mr. Sparrow. Wow. <laughs> wow. wow. Let's say. Anyways, I yeah, you it's go and so say good. everything because this card is awesome. I think this might be the this is probably the best grain in the deck, I'm guessing, right? Yeah. In my opinion, it blocks, it attacks, it tutors. So even like worst case scenario, right? I guess like worst case scenarios you play and it gets killed, right? But like the middle ground situation <laughs> is you play it, it makes a turn, you attack someone with it, you boast, it kills one of their creatures and dies, triggering all your other die stuff that you have. Yeah. Right? It just it's got so much insane value to it. Yeah, I think this card's huge for your deck because this does a few things for your playstyle specifically, Tuck. You're very anti tutors. Yes. You like living in the red zone. Also, yes. But I think you also understand that tutors have their place in the game. Yeah. So I think this takes kind of combos everything perfect for you to where I get to live in the red zone. It's doing yeah. what my deck wants. And I get to tutor and it goes to top of library. So I still have to be able to kill something to be able to draw right. that card. Um, and so I think this is the perfect balance of a kind of try hard card, which are what tutors are. And... Yeah. I don't know, licking paint, which is living in the red zone. <laughs> I, I also think that in this deck specifically, a lot of times there's only like one or two cards that I would even want to like tutor for that are going to help me win the game, right? So the chance that of me needing those, like they're all, they're both pretty situational. So this at least I can go tutor with this card. I don't feel bad wasting it to go get a land or go get a ramp card or go get a removal, right? It doesn't feel yeah. as bad because it's more repeatable and goes towards the end of the game as well. Makes sense. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up the green section. Now we're going to head over to the hot profile, and I'll start this off with a card I assuming we're matching on because that's just the way today is going. Um, this is let's go. Let's see if we go four snake. for four. A snakey snake. Uh, it's it's a snake. Uh, no, I do not have wow. snake. Uh, well, I think ambush viper is an awesome card for this deck. Interesting. Okay. So colorless green creature snake flash death touch. It's a two one common for six pennies. And we have a new voice with Uda Falconrath. Uh and this is uh the vampire Christian Bale Christian Bale Batman. Larry creatures seldom impress me, but I did like this one. Good. Very good. Uh, so the reason I like this guy a lot, it's like a two mana removal spell on mm -hmm. any creature, but it does more than just a just situationally better murder. Um, sure. 
because you're going to get death triggers, whether it be your creatures, your opponent's creatures. Mm -hmm. You're possibly going to get some sort of Chevelle thing going. And it's two mana where it's a green and a, a black, basically. I don't know how many opponents are going to be like, oh, he has removal. Like, I better be careful. I think they're more going to be like, he probably has a fog. I guess I'll right. force it. Or uh, what's the one? Uh, veil of Summer. Yeah, there you go. Try to, try to burn that. I, I think this card is really good for the deck. I I like the fact that it is Flash. It is a removal spell. But ultimately, I will be cutting it because of the... When I played with it, this card is kind of underperformed for me. It's kind of like a mm. one and done. I don't really want to get it back. However, every time that I have played it, it is a removal spell. And to your point, no one has seen it coming, right? Which has its own which has its own sub value. For me, this is just one that, that doesn't always perform the way I want it to. Interesting, because I mean, you have just single target instants that are removal yeah. spells. Those are one and done. What's the difference between that and Ambush Viper? We'll get into it in a little bit. Oh, okay. well, Tuck, what is your first one? Okay, I'm like 90% sure you got this one, too, because it's the only other card that deals with bounty counters. And it's one of the more mid-range cards of the deck. It's also the best removal card in the deck trying to do what we want. Really? No? No bounty hunter love? Nope. Oh, man. I could have sworn you're going to go with this one. So nope. Bounty Hunter coming out of Mirage, one of the more expensive uncommons in the deck at $4.82. It's two color, or I'm sorry, out of Tempest, excuse me. Two colorless, double black for a minion that's a 2-2. Tap, put a bounty counter on target non-black creature. Also tap, destroy target creature with any bounty counters on it. And this is uh, being read from Gideon, who we have then redacted to a uh, generic Wolfenstein bad guy. There so, we go. <clears throat> <laughs> we have ways. We have ways, we have ways. Oh yes. Once we marked you, Stark said, "The world is made of glass." Uh, Wait, what, wouldn't that be read by Stark? No, I don't think we have a Stark Gideon. though. But it says Stark says it's not quoted to Stark. It's like mm. read out of a book. Let's just see if we have a Stark. I don't think we do. We no, do. We don't. So okay. Uh, we are running dangerously close to the max amount of voices that the RNG thing that I'm using for free. Well, you're supposed to you're supposed to build one. I'm working. On, I'm working on another one. I got a bunch of different RNG stuff in play. So, anyways, this is the card that is like the upkeep dot deck card and yeah. one of the most efficient ones of the game. Where whenever I've cast it, it's literally I cast it. It goes around. I put a bounty counter on something if it doesn't have one, and then shoot it whenever I want. If usually what happens though is I'll go like Cheville upkeep trigger puts a bounty counter on something else and then i can either kill it then and draw a card or just know that bounty hunter yeah. is going to be able to snipe it from the wilderness so it's pretty much i think this is probably in like 90 percent of cheville decks i have a hard time believing how you could convince yourself not to put it in besides the fact i guess it's like a four mana for a two two but and it's it, almost it five dollars yeah which is also insane so yeah i think it's hard I, it, it, it's because of this and the other bounty deck for sure. Yeah, I mean you you have to have this in a bounty deck. So yeah, not not a lot to say about that, but it is <laughs> it would be kind of cool if we could do some shenanigans. Tapping, untapping, tapping, untapping, placing Ooh. a bounty counter, untapping, and destroying target creature, untapping. Like that'd be kind of cool. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. oh. I think I'm picking up what you're putting down here. All right. Well, my second one is one of the few lands that you do not have. Uh, non-categorized but I thought this one's really cool um, it, it's a non-traditional land it's one I've never seen arena yeah very cool <laughs> uh, it's a land it's a little under six bucks three colorless tap 
tap target creature you control and target creature of an opponent's choice he or she controls. Each of those creatures deals damage equal to its power to the other. I look at this as a you're winning no matter what. Because it's either you're always going to do it with a death touch thing, I'm assuming. Yeah, 100%. Yep. And so it's either like, hey, do you want to do your bigger creature against my death touch so you can kill it? Or you get to pick one of your smaller guys. No matter what, I'm still winning because I'm going to remove a creature of yours and I'm going to get a whole myriad of triggers. And for only three mana, one could say it's like its own murder. Oh, uh, I thought that I was extraordinarily cute when I thought of this card because I remember... Uh, Denny Durrell, uh, or whatever, Mr. Durrell. I don't know if he has a nickname on here or not. But anyways, he's in Colorado now, RIP. Um, he had a copy of this that I saw when I was like going through his cards at some point. Interesting. When I was, yeah, so I don't. he had one from the art series, too, that has like the little paintbrush, which mm -hmm. you can also see in the original Mana Vault, Mana Crypt, that little paintbrush logo. Hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So I thought it was just tap target creature you control and target creature and opponent controls. I did not see the opponent's choice until I actually played the card. So I was kind of a downer, but yes, I completely agree. It's usually when I've used this, it's exactly like you said. It's like they have a, I put, I intentionally put a bounty counter on something that's innocuous, like a mana dork or, you know, something mm -hmm. like something along those lines. And then I trigger it and be like, all right. So like you said, your choice, right? And we, we on the podcast love nothing if not a card that forces your opponents to make a decision. <laughs> that is. Very factual. It's true. All right, Tuck. Well, what's your second one? So my this is a uh, this is a interesting targeted removal that I don't have enough data on, but I think it has a lot of potential to be played. The only time I've ever seen it played was when in one of your decks when Squee was playing it, and he killed maybe a mana dork, but he needed the land so oh, bad they yeah. just needed a target. So Death Sprout is a really interesting one. So one colorless, double black, and a green for an instant. Destroy target creature, search your library for a basic land card, put it on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. And for the last voice that Spencer gave us, we finally got Vraska, one of my homegirls. She may be mentioned in this here thing. So I knew that this was some dumb Harry, Harry Potter character. <laughs> and I knew that you would probably have the voice better, but I looked it up and it's well, Tim Burton's it? wife. It's Bella Bellatrix Lestrange. Really? Oh, do you get it? Like it's like Lestrange, which the is a weirdo. The book was written in the '90s. Get over it. I don't care. Then why do so many people like it? Okay, so anyways, and it's um, I don't remember her name, but it's Tim Burton's wife. And I watched a five-minute super clip of her, most of which was just her going like. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> is that when or you're like, just over there, like chain smoking at your desk? <laughs> yes. Like, what is? What am I doing? Uh, so, anyways, uh, I think I did watch one. There's one where she like, I thought I was only half watching it, and she says something to Malfoy, and then like sounds like she kisses him on the ear or something. <laughs> when in reality, she just goes like next to him. Very strange. All right, here we go. <clears throat> They say nothing lasts forever. I say everything lasts forever. Just not in the form you may be accustomed to. <laughs> you just sound like a witch. <laughs> I, she's a witch. What the hell else would you describe it? Isn't, she, isn't that factually what they call them? Isn't it wizards and witches? I, that, that would be correct. Okay. Harry Potter nerd. <laughs> I'm foisted by... There's... Okay. Per... There is... <laughs> 
you always hate on me for hating things, right? Yeah. About like just intentionally because I am a bit of hipster. But what's funny is I I don't go into these things like half cocked. I do the research so I can talk about it. But then what happens is I become so knowledgeable about why I hate it that I then have the answer to all these things. So you mean you're literally the definition of a hipster? Yeah, yeah. It's like I know so much about Harry Potter only because I've had to do research into why I hate it so much. So I can explain it to people who like it. Oh my god! Uh, so, anyways, okay, yeah. Enough the, about that. So the Death, Death Sprout is a. It's the way I look at this. We and you. This is like. I think you might have literally said this before. It's like, hey, would you run murder and then pay an extra green to go tutor for a land? Yep. And for me, in this deck that has so much removal and so many creatures that can be removal in and of themselves, it's like, yeah, I absolutely would, right? Yeah. Like, leave four up. You have you have Cheville and a bounty counter out, right? Leave four up. You might have some other interaction. If not, you just blow up the bounty counter, go get a land, right? Like, that's mm -hmm. kind of how this card's, play, this card's paid out for me in the past. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I literally only run murder in decks where I can't run Death Sprout, or I'm running it with oh, Death Sprout. Um, really? So okay. yeah, I mean, if it doesn't have green, I just you know I just put murder in. Um, but if it has green, I'll put in Death Sprout, especially if I have one um, just laying around, or if I remember to yeah. put one in, because it is just murder. Pay a green. Like if murder literally said two black colorless destroy target creature. Uh, and then kicker kick, for kicker a green, kicker yeah. green, go get a basic land and put it in the battlefield tapped. It's like, okay, I actually, mm. you know what? I bet you people would like murder more if it read like that versus death sprout. Yeah. Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent. But then like, you're just going to do that. You're like, so, but to your point, it's such a fallacy because you're just going to run that card only to go like you run that card to only pay the kicker cost, right? Yep. Or else you'd run like something else. So yeah. Like murder. <laughs> yeah, straight murder. All right. Well, my last one is an Elefante that likes yeah, to is. fight. Here we go. Oh Here my we go. God. Three, two, one. Thorn Mammoth. Thorn Mammoth. Five colorless green, green creature, Elephant. All right. All right. All right. All right. Uh, all right, all right. It's yeah. It's a six six for fifty cents. I thought it was way more. Uh, trample. Uh, whenever Thorn Mammoth or another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Thorn Mammoth fights up to one target creature you don't control, and we have. Finally, I get a good one. <clears throat> all right, They're all on. good. So I've, I've like, I, I kind of lost my breath from laughing so much, so give me a second. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> hey, what's the deal with it coming to the defense of all wild things? From the shivering of worm to the tirade of giants. All right, Jerry, calm down. Yeah, it's good. Uh, maybe one of the better removal spells in the deck. It fights and it likes to fight a bunch. Yeah, and the only time this can backfire on you, but I guess you do kill a lot of stuff, is when you play someone who's playing like a, a token deck. And hey, yeah. I made six tokens this turn. It's like, oh, I'll fight them all. And it's like, wait a yeah. minute. Oh, it does say up to one. So I guess you yeah. can choose to stop it. Okay, good. And, and it, is, it is on, it is only creatures entering the battlefield under your control. Oh, okay. I missed that part. Yeah. No, there's a card later that we might talk about that does run that exact problem yep yep but yes um thor mammoth it's a six six there's always gonna be something to pick off you're gonna go get your bounty you're gonna go get your uh your death reap ritual triggers all that good stuff um again this is another one that's like for my opinion pretty meat and potatoes mm -hmm. um here's the question i have for you do you could you see running this in another deck like sure. just off the top of your head yeah i mean i think it would run fine 
And honestly, any deck that has green and has at least like 15 creatures in the deck or 20 creatures oh, yeah. or bare minimum ways to make lots of tokens, because it mm. is just a, I mean, it's a really expensive removal spell, but I right. mean, kind of look at this like murder. Uh, it's just sure. like, Why not? all right, so it's going to take me six creatures entering the battlefield to kill whatever. So six times with the three mana that murder costs, that's 18 mana. Do I want to play seven? And then hopefully I have enough ETB stuff where I can get the other five kills and it's now paid right. itself. I think you would at least need to kill three things with it for it to just be yep. better than a removal spell. So I, I think it has a lot of upside. And I think this is a very casual card versus a removal because if this ETBs and kills something, it has less feel bads versus mm. instant speed i'm killing your stuff people yeah. get a little butthurt about that so i think yeah, this totally. could see play and also uh your casual play groups probably would run this more excuse me than an actual removal spell yeah uh and so since we're about to transition into the yeast the fact that it is a six six trampler does play into how this deck can win sometimes and with that we're going to move from the hot profile over to the yeast and I already know we're both talking about it. The first one on the list. Let's go. Let's go. Three, two, one. Apex Altasaur. Apex Altasaur. Woo! One of the best cards in the deck. Seven colors, double green for 10-10. Dinosaur, three bucks. It is not a 999. Uh, it is a creature dinosaur. It's a rare. Uh, when Apex Altasaur enters the battlefield, it fights up to one target creature you don't control. Enrage, whenever Apex Altasaur is dealt damage, it fights up to one target creature you don't control and voice uh jira trump if you will or joyra trump it brings belligerent uh, no come on uh let's see uh, it's good it's way it's more nasally real. right mm. <laughs> it brings belligerence to new heights Pretty make good. america great again yeah yeah wall wall uh they're gonna pay for it uh so <laughs> Yeah, I really like this. This is an up to one as well. Uh, I don't yes. know where I had it in my head where it just kept happening. So this is another oh, one. Oh, 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 God, I'm also an idiot. I thought I was literally going to say like, oh, so it just kills itself if you just yeah. keep casting nope. creatures. Nope. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah, I really like this because the, the nice thing about it, though, and this is kind of weird. It's a great card, but it only works once. And it's done mm. on it from an, because you have to figure out a way to ping it. So then yeah. it's like you can kind of you have to figure out this weird rude Goldberg machine because you have mm, so much death yes. touch in here that can potentially ping. We might get to that. Ah. And so now it's gonna be like, oh crap, I need to ping my Altasaur. I don't have a good combat to where someone's gonna have to block or I kill them. And my pinger has death touch. It's like, what do yeah. you do? Do you do you like move the equipment over apex altasaur then just kill that thing when it when it hits you so you kind of have to like figure out how exactly you're going to make apex altasaur work more than the one time is the one time amazing yeah. absolutely but i would actually yeah. probably put this card more in your spice section because of the amount of death touch you have i don't oh, see point, you yeah. getting the enrage effect a ton and there's no yeah, that's a good point Right. So the way, so one of the ways, and I actually talked about Murph with this too, after I played it a couple times, cause his is like, he's a much more focused player than I am. Right. Whereas I'm kind of like, and the kitchen sink mentality, yeah. if you will. And he was like, and I was like, so how do you win with this? He's like, well, there are a few ways, but honestly, one of the ways is if you play it like a fight deck, the board is just going to get cleared out of all the big threats. 
and eventually you will likely just have big enough creatures to start bashing people in the face with it. Huh. So, so that's why I think like this and Thorn Mammoth do double duty in both these things, right? They can deal their damage, they can clear the board, but then they and themselves are big beaters in and of themselves. They can start getting in the red zone, start shipping away pretty significant chunks, chunks of damage. Makes sense. All right, Tuck, yeah. what's your second yeast card? I already know we've probably so, aligned on this too. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. I assume he's burying some semblance of a fang. Yep. Yep, all right. God, I hate this. Three, two, Why? one. Finn the Finn Fang Bear. A colorless uh, green legendary creature, human warrior, uncommon. Why? It's so good. Yeah, weird. Uh, it's one three. It has death touch, shocking. Oh, this is hysterical. This is this is actually really funny. Um, it's got death touch, and it says whenever a creature you control with death touch deals combat damage to a player, that player gets two poison counters. Um, if they have ten or more poison counters, lose the game. And this has been a errated to this day voice of Sentin the Centaur Druid, which is Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne. Oh. <clears throat> All right, so it's like, come, comma. Mm. Yeah, like, <laughs> come, comma. Claim what you lost. Does the Great Serpent fear a rematch? I mean, is it? The Great Serpent's not even real. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So... If you can't win with big creatures, then you win with small ones. And this is the card to do it. Honestly, when this card got previewed, and I think we might have talked about it during our uh, oh, sure not-so-accurate review, uh, I was kind of like, okay, I need to figure out. I, I can't remember which came first, honestly. I, I know I wanted to build Cheville after I saw uh, Murph play it. But then I was like, I saw this come out, and I was like, well, do I want to build this mono green? So they were both kind of like inspirations for the deck. This is the way that I want to win. And that so far, since I played the deck, I have not drawn Finn. I've not been able to tutor for Finn. I have not seen him. I've not cast him. He has not been milled. He's never even come to the, the forefront of the deck. And for our audience, just on a clarification, if you hit someone with five death touch creatures in one combat, how many poison counters do they get? It's ten. <sighs> It's 10. Okay. I was like, is this some sort of, it's like, do I need to, well, cause we already, we, I screwed up on the apex altasaur. You screwed up on the thorn mammoth reading. So I was like, okay, did I just re misread this wrong? They're just toast, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're just dead. So that's the cool thing I really like about Finn guys. And at a quarter, you should probably just go pick up like 10 copies yep. and just have it because death touch is a mechanic that's one of those evergreens that's across like literally almost every single color, I think. I mean, are there any colors yeah. that don't have Death Touch? Um, Obviously, green and black have them. Green and black are them. Does white, blue, or red? I. You know what? You keep talking, and I'll, I will look that All up. All right. So um, it's going to have a lot of versatility. And I look at this very similar to how I look at Orin Frostfang. To where mm. any of those effects where it's a creature deals damage, you get this effect 10 times better than the ones where it's like, hey, whenever your creatures deal combat damage, draw a card. So the A instead of yours is huge. And I could see Finn absolutely, especially in this deck, Tuck, you've wiped it out. Maybe you're literally swinging in with some 1-1s. One and it's like, yeah. you're dead. And you're Ab basic. Absolutely. And you're basic. Okay, so... There is one red card that has death touch. Huzzah! There's no blue card that has death touch. Um, and there are th 
three white cards that have death touch, but they only have death touch because they're like the thing where it's like like Odric, for example, where it's like if if your other oh. creatures have death touch, then something else happens like Odric uh, and Akroma and Thunderous Orator, all of which have that sort of effect. But there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine uh, artifacts that have death touch in them, too. There we go. There, there we go. go. Finn, you can death touch across colors all day, baby. There's two, there's one cute way to win in this. I don't know if we're going to talk about it, but the two main ways are through Dutch Dutch and through creature damage. And I think Finn does it, both of them. They plays very well into both categories. All right. Well, my last one, and there's no way you pick this card because I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before. There's lots of riches involved in your opponent's creatures dying and reveling riches. I don't know if there's That's... another card in this deck that you have to have over Revelin' Riches. This seems like you pretty much have to have it, or you're <laughs> just a moron. Uh, four yeah. colorless black enchantment. It is expensive, I will say that. It's 15 bucks, yep. so I, I get it from a financial standpoint if you can't get one. But, whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, the whole goal of the deck, create a colorless treasure artifact token with sack, uh, tap sack, add one man of any color. At the beginning of your upkeep, you control 10 or more treasures, you just outright win the game. Have you won yet? No, uh, uh, I, I mean I've won off. I've won off of Revel and Riches, uh, but this is the this. It's I'm so glad you talked about this because this is the cute. This is the cute version of this, right? Of like this is like the backup way to win. It's insanely good. I completely agree. In in and of a win con, in and of a value train. The only thing I don't like about Revel and Riches is like it's been around long enough that people realize see it enter the battlefield and they're like, okay, we either need to kill him or get rid of it, right? So that's one of the reasons I've cast it. And it's gotten destroyed four times in across multiple decks that I have it in. Um, but yeah, it's it's just so good. Um, there's a reason why it's fourteen dollars. Uh, another reason is because of the new Prosper deck that deals with treasures. It's just it's so bonkers. Yeah, I absolutely love this card. Um, does so much work in my Shirai deck with making people sack their creatures. Oh God, yes. <laughs> um, it's so good. I mean, the fact that it's a five mana enchantment and it's fifteen dollars, I think, shows how good it is. So uh, yeah, I guess absolutely. This this has to be seen a reprint soon, right? I think so. I think it got. I feel like it might have gotten reprinted in like the list or some such oh, nonsense where count. it doesn't act, where it doesn't count. Yeah. yeah. So mystery boosters and Ixalan is the only one that it's in. So the mystery boosters again had what two thousand cards in it or something yeah. like that. So yeah, I don't. Maybe this could come to uh, the Dungeons and Dragons Commander Ooh. Legends. Put that. I bet that. I believe it. I believe in that for sure. All right, Tuck. Well, what's your last East card? So it's the, I, I just want to bring this up to your point about the Finn, the Fangbearer. There is one card in here that makes exactly five creatures with Death Touch, Hornet Queen. Oh, so there you go. That would be super cute to be able to pull that out. I never have. So this card, for me, isn't it's not like the strictest yeast, but the fact of the, how much utility it has into the deck, and it's a card that, when I played, has done work, is uh, Kogla the Titan Ape. So oh, wow. three colorless, triple green, 7-6. When it enters the battlefield, it fights target creature, very important when it attacks destroy target artifact or enchantment defending player controls and then not for nothing a colorless and a green return target human you control to its owner's uh hand it gains indestructible until end of turn and of course my commander is in fact a human as is finn so there's a lot of utility there this is a card and it, it's kind of difficult because like in a lot of ways it's kind of a hops right yeah. but the the fact that it's all and i 
the fact that it's all on one card and it synergizes so well with the rest of this deck, it's going to be attacking and it's a 7-6 and it protects your commander. Like this card is just completely bonkers in here. Um, I, when I've when I played it, it's been like immediately targeted. And if it has it, it kind of takes over the game because I'm clearing out everything. So if someone has like a propaganda, okay, sure, I'll pay two and then just blow it up. Yeah. Right. And then that clears the way for everything else in the deck. Yeah, I mean, look, I would still put this in a hops just because I picture this a lot like Questing Beast. I don't know if I remember putting Questing Beast as a yeast card. A yeast, yeah. Um, but I do like a lot of the cute things in here uh, with you know being able to protect your commander, uh, being yep. able to get your initial fight and then getting some of that uh, attack uh, stuff. You know, that's kind of cool. Uh, I like that it gives Kogla indestructible. So if you end up starting some mm. sort of fight loop or anything like that, it's like, hey, I'm going to lose some value from Chevelle, but let me pay two, bounce it back, give Kogla indestructible, yep. and then I'll continue on whatever I'm doing. Because um, you do have some cute ways that you can uh, do things like that. So I really like it. Um, I think an even cuter thing, which doesn't make sense for your deck, I'm just thinking out loud, uh, it would be really funny to put Kogla in a deck with Conspiracy and name oh. everything humans, <laughs> and then human. you like you can like bounce him and like fight stuff all the live long day. Yeah, I think yeah, that'd yeah, be yeah. kind of funny. I that, that actually is pretty cool. I kind of like that. And I have a spare copy line around, there so maybe go. this is su sub theme conspiracy, some <laughs> sub human theme. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, that would be kind of awesome. Have Kogla be like your secret commander. You run conspiracy, everything is humans, and then you start bouncing all your ETB stuff, and you actually become like an ETB deck. And then you and then you also you also <laughs> coat of arms because it's a colorless and, or, and that's how you actually win. Oh my so god! In reality, and then, so then so you the win alter the brood and you're just winning off of stuff entering the battlefield. <laughs> I love it. All right, guys. Well, that's gonna wrap up the East package. Now we're gonna head over to Spice and Big Ugh. Tuck. You didn't have a lot of options. Yeah, I know. I feel like you're not gonna talk about your favorite Spice that's in here. So which of the other two do you think you'll talk about? Uh, I am going to talk about, I think, I'm wondering if you're going to take the bait on it, so I think you're going to, so I'm actually going to talk about Predator Oobs. Not the Oob, not the Oob, but the Oob. He is a Predator. You see that? So, three green for a 1-1 one, one creature ooze, indestructible. When it attacks, put a 1-1 one, one counter on it. Whenever a creature is dealt damage by a Predator Ooze, this turn dies, put a 1-1 one, one counter on Predator Ooze. So this is, for me, the definition of a spice. This is a card that I've always liked. Uh, this is a card that I played in Tiny Leaders and ran in every Tiny Leaders deck, and it was borderline unbeatable um, for a three drop that has indestructible and just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I do like the fact that you're going to be getting the red zone with it. If you can give it death touch or if it attacks something and then you fight with a creature with death touch, it gets bigger over time. That's why it's in here. It's definitely a pet card of mine. Um, and I just thought it was kind of a cute and a cute addition to put in with the indestructible clause. Yeah, so I actually cut it. Um, That's fair. I, I, I'm not And surprised. I will say this. The only reason I cut it is I was tied between this and Gaunty. But I know you love oh, yeah. Gaunty so much. And at least it yes. does have Death Touch, so it does kind of fit. I think if you had more ways in the deck to give out Death Touch, or death, mm -hmm. something you might want to look into is Death Touch Counters. They came out with all those counters Ooh. things. There might be something in Golgari you can do with that. I think if you had ways to do that, then actually I think Predator Ooze would be a yeast. I mean, that thing would be borderline unstoppable. It's just so I don't me, really let, see a lot of ways to make it fit. Let me ask you this. Do you think uh, Bo of Nylea should just be an immediate slam dunk in here? Oh, 100%. Why not? Yeah, because I look back, I don't, ha I don't have it, right? <laughs> so if I had that... 
think about this. If you go Bow of Nylea, that opens up your utility creatures more to where maybe you forced in a death touch thing and it's like, you know what? Right. I could actually remove this for a Birds of Paradise and it'll eventually get death touch or Lanawar Elves or something like that that actually has power. Um, you know, that could be something where it opens up your possibilities a little bit more. But um, yeah, so Predator Uzo is very cool. I love it. Um, it is one of those cards that I got very excited about when I saw it spoiled. Because, uh, you know, three green, really easy to cast. It's indestructible. Yeah. It's going to be hard to get rid of. And it's always going to be adding counters. Um, I just, you know, it's it's fine. Just, you know, yeah. it's fine. All right. Well, I did take the bait, you son of a bitch. So yeah, I knew we're, it. We're talking about the play. The only reason I took the bait is because it's actually a, actually, I think it's a great card for the deck. So okay, Garou. cool. I was because there's two there's two cards in here that I want to talk to you about uh, the spice in the cutting sections, and this is one of them. And then another one is in the grain. So so I'm excited to hear that you like this. Yeah, Guru Relentless, three colorless green. It's a planeswalker. Comes in with three loyalty. It's a mythic for about five bucks. It has a static effect that just states that if it ever has two or fewer loyalty counters, transform them. Then it has two zero activated abilities. Put a 2-2 wolf creature token onto the battlefield, which we just talked about stuff entering the battlefield that helps get stuff done. Um, or yeah. Garouk Relentless deals three damage, lightning bolt, to target creature. That creature Boom. deals damage equal to its power to Garouk. Now, if Garouk ever gets below that threshold, then it transforms into Garouk the Veil Cursed. It's basically oh, a Golgari curse. type of planeswalker. And oh. it states plus one, put a one one black wolf creature token with death touch on the battlefield. Perfect fit for the deck. Minus on one, deck. sacrifice a creature. If you do search your library for a creature card, reveal it, put it into your hand, shelf your library. Perfect. You don't have a lot of tutors, get you a way to tutor. And then minus three creatures you control gain trample and gain get plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. I actually don't see that being like as exciting as I think people would mm. be about it. Um, Cause I just, I don't, I don't know how filled up your graveyard's actually going to be with creatures. Um, Cause I feel and like, I, I feel I like have, if your graveyard has like a, a bunch of creatures, you're probably not winning the game. Yeah. And I have 31, which it feels like a lot, but a lot of them are these like four five, six drops mm -hmm. that aren't, that aren't going to get there unless they get milled or something like that. Yep. So, um, overall, the few things that I like about this guy is, A, it takes heat off of you. You know, a planeswalker yeah. is essentially lifelink because people have to hit like. it for the loyalty. I like that you have two choices. You know, really nothing's on the board worth getting death touch stuff out. I'll just zero all day long. Make me some green wolves. No big deal. But then as soon as you see something, it's a birds of paradise. It's a mana dork. Maybe it's even someone's commander that's like a 2-3 or a 1-3. It's like, hey, I'll zero it. I'll lightning bolt you. And now this thing's going to transform, and now I'm getting Death Touch stuff that feeds into all my Death yep. Touch things. I'm now getting tutors for creatures, um, basically worldly tutor to hand. And then if by any, I mean, I guess if you had a slew of creatures on the battlefield, then I guess that's nice. Um, or if it's, you know, someone's wide open and you have 10 in there, you could one-shot them. I guess that's another thing. Sure, yeah. But the fact that you... Uh, don't get a type of haste with it. It's it just it takes a lot of setup, and that's I'm never a fan mm. of a planeswalker that needs a whole lot of setup because then you're just kind of sitting there like, oh, hopefully you don't kill it. 
Yeah, exactly. And if you if you have to in a pinch, you can make a, a wolf and then kill the wolf the next turn and then flip it over. Yeah. But again, to your point, that's like a huge setup to what, right? Yeah. Like that's the entire, that's two activations of a planeswalker, which in most times means it's like one away from its ultimate, yeah. right? And this one's even further. So Garuka was in my Gerard deck as well. Um, I, I've, I have played with him maybe once or twice and that, I don't feel like that was a deck for him. Um, I, I really, this is like one of my pet planeswalkers, um, that I've never just really been able to go off with, but the fact that it has that death touch trigger to it and the tutor for me made it seem like it was a good fit. I just, I'm glad I wanted another pair of eyes on it and see if you, and see how you felt, how you felt about it. Cause I know you love planeswalkers, so I'm glad that you think it's a fit and I hope I get to get it. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up the spice package. Then we're going to head over to the bottle capping. And as a reminder, there's going to be big tucks and eyes, cuts and adds into the deck that are under five, under 50, and a no budget recommendation. We just can't talk about mana only lands. All right, big tuck, under $5. I'm curious what you're going to cut and what you're going to add. So, I, for the under five, um, this is another card that I'm shocked that's not in the deck. I'm going to cut Ambush Viper for kind of the reasons why we talked about, right? It is a really cute trick, and I like the fact that it has Death Touch. I just think it's too... It's like... How do, how do you say it? It's like... It's too... It's like a... It's like a, a, a hot pistol, right? Like a gun that you like... It's like a gun you buy off the black market, right? Okay. Like you're going to use it one time to shoot someone, then you're going to throw it in the bottom of the Baltimore River, right? Okay. Like it just... I don't, I don't like the fact that it's just so temporary. And, and once it's in the graveyard, I don't have a huge incentive to get it back out. So that's why I am cutting it. Um, so what I want to put in is something that plays back to the theme of fighting, of playing these bigger creatures and sniping them down. Um, and this is, should have been in here. I just don't think I had a copy. Evenwald Tracker. Ooh. So uh, one green for one one human shaman, a whom a whom sham. Uh, and it's it's a it states colorless and a green tap target creature you control fights another target creature. So again, with this death with the massive death touch theme that we have in here, um, this to me is going to be like a very repeatable removal. Sure, it dies to lightning bolt and shock. But I really want to. I really want to. I really want to have as much of the fight ability as possible because of the death touch thing, right? So I'd rather have something that I can repeatedly over and over again snipe out smaller creatures with my commander or with some of the other creatures I have in the deck that might be able to scale up a little bit more for just two mana a turn versus like a one-time ambush fight. Mm. So that's interesting. I mean, I like it. Um... Don't you feel like this is becoming like a fight deck instead of a Golgari like death touch deck? I feel like this is it's basically the, Lowry's fight deck, just in black and it's kind of in the it's kind of in the middle of that, right? And like that's intentional because I because if I run all these creatures with death touch, I think those are going to be my pieces of removal, mm. right? And I I wanted to build the fight. I I also secretly really wanted to build the Gruel fight deck, but I just it just that wasn't exciting enough for me. For some reason so that's just kind of my concession to it mm. where it is like death touch and um fighting if i wasn't a moron which i am i would have put bo and nylea in here literally two months ago when i made this so that's another one that i didn't even think of that should also be on this list but here we are here we are all right you're gonna be shocked but hear me out chevelle <laughs> i'm gonna cut worldly tutor okay I'm not, I am kind of shocked by that, to be honest so, with you. So, single green instant. Search your library for a creature card and reveal that card. Shuffle your library and put the card on top. It's basically Vampiric Tutor, but you have to reveal that it's a creature card to your opponents. 
Sure. I like Worldly Tutor a lot. I was gonna say that's like your that that is like the definition of a you call. Yeah, I love tutors. It's efficient. I, I love tutors. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing: you don't like tutors. You talk about all the time about how you don't. You know, you're trying to like not play these competitive decks, and tutors just make it to where it's streamlined. You're doing the same plays over and over, and blah blah blah. I, so, I have I have been known to say that I have been known to say that often. So if you're gonna do that. Let's let's get rid of it. You know, I still think the Varagoth, I think that's a fair way to tutor in the deck with yes. how you like. And you also do have a Diabolic Tutor, which I'm fine with because it's a four mana tutor, not very efficient. Uh, but sure. a one mana instant. Come on. Let's let, let let's let's uphold to the big I had, one, I had one line I had one lying around, right? <laughs> well, a card I don't know if you have lying around. I think this card used to be incredibly expensive, and now it's not, which is shocking. Let's talk about good old Basilisk Caller. Talked about oh, things that sure. need to get Death Touch. Uh, Basilisk Caller, single colorless artifact equipment. It's a rare. You can get one for $1.50 right now. What? Equip creature has Death Touch and Life Link, and it costs two colorless to equip it. So, it's, yeah. Uh, I mean, you have, I believe you have Shadow Spear in here already. Oh, yeah. So it's like, great. Uh, that, that gives you, you know, the, a little bit of Life Link, a little bit of Trample. But I'm thinking with this Basilisk Caller, we could do some gross things, especially with uh, Chevelle out there. Uh, you do have Thornbite Staff in the deck. Yes. You do also have... Uh, I thought there was... Viridian Longbone. Yes. And then I thought there was one other that was like a pinger one. Oh, there it is. Uh, yeah, Viridian Longbow. Uh, that's another pinger. Yeah. So I think with Basilisk Caller, you're actually giving yourself a way to win the game. I'm going to sit here mm. and with Thornbite staff, this, you know, maybe I'm also going to have to throw my dark steel play. I mean, it's a very rude Goldberg machine to get the engine going, yeah, yeah. which I think you would enjoy that more versus a worldly tutor and worldly tutor is a one and done like ambush Viper, at least Basilisk color, the gift or pain keeps on giving. <laughs> and uh, to your point as well, I think the if we go into that fight mechanic now this turns all of my all of my creatures into removal spells yep. right so yeah I, I know I have a, I think I have at least one of these lying around that I don't have in a deck so I am I am here for it nice all right Tuck well what is your under fifty cut and add so I'm actually going to cut uh, elves of deep shadow whoa um, really yeah it's so I'm actually cutting two grain cards to be honest with Me you. Too. And it's be are you yeah. okay? Cool. Um, so the reason why is because I there's been a lot of times where I've just been flood. So Elves of Deep Shadow is land where elves you tap it. It's one green for one one. You tap it, get a black. It deals a damage to you. There's been a lot of times where I have just hit lands and lands and lands and ramp and ramp and ramp. Even though it doesn't really read that way, yeah. and I haven't been able to get into things that are more threatening. Mm. Right. So I'm stuck in this value engine, which again, it's like. Okay, even if I go right now, tutor for an Apex Altasar yeah. or a Finn the Fangbearer, I'm not doing anything with it, right? So, I, I, it, Elves of the Deep Shadow is only cut because it pains you to lose one. And because my mana base can, I mean, if I cut a handful of lands here and there, my mana base would be quote unquote perfect. <laughs> so, I'd rather just have the Land of War Elf Rydals in there more than anything else. Um, but what this is another one that I was kind of shocked at him put in here because it does everything that the deck wants and it's extraordinarily cute. So um, this is a legendary dino called Tetsamok 
primal death oh yeah so four colorless black black for legendary creature elder dinosaur six six death touch for a black mana you reveal it uh from your hand and you put a prey counter on target creature activate only during your turn and then when you have him enter the battlefield he destroys each creature your opponents control with a prey counter on it so for me this is like a perfect top end removal yeast kind of card of just being able to be like throughout the game like I got this coming, guys. Counter there, counter there, counter there. Cast him. He has Death Touch on him. You clear out the board for everything else. You have your Bow of Nylea, which again isn't foolishly in here. Then you swing out and go go ham for it. So for me, having even like having the removal stapled to a big beater that also plays in the Death Touch does a lot more for this deck than like just a normal mana dork that you can't even give Death Touch to. Naturally. So I like your thought. I just don't think it's going to execute how you think, because I run. Really? Tet I used to run Tetsamok and my Carador deck. Seemed to make a lot of sense. Sure. Like it's not in the command zone. I'm revealing it. I remember there was one game. I ended up putting out like seven prey counters because it's like no one's going to make me right. discard or do anything. And then and it's enter the battlefield, not not cast mm -hmm. right. But then it was something to where like my ETB got shut off, or there was something to where. I casting Tetsamok made zero sense. It just wasn't going to do anything. That huh. was the only game I ever saw him actually establish <laughs> a board state, but he couldn't execute on it. Every didn't actually do every other it. time, it's been like cool six mana six six death touch. I guess that's fine, but I don't know. I mean, it's only forty four cents to get a copy, so yeah. you know, try it out, see if it does work. But I, I would just be very leery. Um, unless you're going to try, I know you have some things in here that can bring your stuff back, back. from the graveyard. Yeah, your Phyrexian Reclamation. So at least like, you know, you could do it and maybe do some sort of rinse and repeat thing. But it's, yeah, it, I'm just going to tell you, it's a little it's sweaty. Is it sweaty? Yeah, it's sweaty. No, no, no. Yes, it's sweaty. Yeah, it's absolutely sweaty. But again, like that's what I like. Right. And for me, it's like to your point. This is a sweaty deck in and of itself, or like slimy actually, because Golgari, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I do. I think this card. I, I think this card really reads really well. And again, with the if it was trample or flying, not even a chance. It's not even discussion. But yeah. the fact that it does have death touch, that is really important to the deck. So I really want to give it a run, and we'll see what happens. There we go. All right, mine. I'm gonna cut, and you're gonna be shocked. Because it actually is a very good enchantment, but I just I don't think you need the ramp. Utopia Sprawl. Okay. I think just get rid of it. Uh, green enchantment aura, enchant forest. As Utopia Sprawl enters the battlefield, choose a color. Whenever enchanted forest is tapped for mana, its controller adds an additional one mana of the chosen color. It basically turns into like a bounce land that you didn't have to bounce. Exactly, um, yeah. You have 10 basic forests in the deck. And mm -hmm. no other lands that look at both types. Uh, incorrect. I have a woodland chasm and an overgrown tomb. Where's the overgrown tomb? Oh, there it is. Okay, so sorry. You have 12 out of your 35 lands. So you have a 33% chance that this card will work on ETB. And then you have a one in or whatever that percentage is, like 8% chance or 7.5% chance to even get this card throughout the game. So I just the odds are odds are just not there. Not a fan. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. I'm, so I'm the card I'm going to cut for my under hundred is also for that same reason. Interesting. Um, so we'll get to inter which is interesting. So the card I'm going to recommend is 
pretty generic. It's pretty vanilla. I even talked about it. Oh, Nylia. No. Uh, Questing Beast. Don't know how you don't have it oh, in here. Oh, God. I'm not, put, I'm not putting Questing Beast in here. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to talk about it anyways. I so, Questing Beast. I traded Beast. that card away for $15 to fucking duff, and he can suck it. Uh, it's two colorless, green, green, legendary creature beast. It's a mythic. It's a 4 4. Vigilance, Death Touch, Haste. Questing Beast can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. Combat damage that to be dealt by creatures you control can't be prevented, which is big with all of your Death Touch stuff. Sure, and yeah. whenever Questing Beast deals combat damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to target Planeswalker that player controls. This just is going to do so many things for the deck and really make it hum. One, the Haste and Death Touch and Vigilance. It's a blocker. Yeah. It's attacking immediately on site. And it does all the Death Touch stuff you want. No one can chump it, which is nice. Uh, and the big thing is the combat damage that would be dealt by creatures you control can't be prevented. So that works great with Finn the Fangbearer. Swing with all of your death touchy guys. I don't even care if you have blockers. I'm doing combat damage anyways. And you all are getting poison counters and you're all dead. Mm. Uh, I it's it's a good pick. I will never purchase this card out of spite. So maybe I'll trade you one when I get when I come back for Thanksgiving. I don't know. It sounds like you're a bad Magic player. God, won't play stuff oh, out of God. spite. Oh, you mean wait? So but I, a bad pat a bad Magic player maybe, but I did do research for all of my all of my picks for this episode. I don't know what you're talking about because that got edited, Dick. It got cut out. All right, what's your uh, oh, personal shit. recommendation? Um, no budget. What are you going to cut and what are you going to add? Uh, so I, for the similar reasons, at this I think Utopia Sprawl, Sprawl is still worth it for me. Um, I'm actually going to cut crop rotation mm. um, just because it's like hmm. the only real target that I would go get would be like maybe Arcane Lighthouse or maybe Arena, but uh, everything else is just yeah. a bridal or something else. I have no landfall. I don't have a Gaia's Cradle. You can use it to go get a like, forest. And that way Utopia Sprawl works. Oh, there you go. Yes, exactly. The, the tech. <laughs> one to one to one. It all lines up. It's just like, I think I, there's an argument that you can put crop rotation in every deck. I don't necessarily agree with that, to be yeah, honest. I don't agree with that um, so I'm actually going to put in something that does, I, it plays into the lesser part. And I've kind of been burying the lead a little bit with this, where I think that with things like Basilisk Caller and that sort of thing that do, and like a fair amount of my creatures have lifelink and death touch and that sort of thing. Um, so this is an interesting one that I have, which is a card that I've always known is good. I just was looking for the right thing to do. So which of the Moors is an interesting one that I'm interested to see if it'll work out. So three colorless for double black for a creature human warlock. It's a four, four with death touch. So on thing there at the beginning of your end step, if you gain life this turn, each opponent sacrifices a creature and you return up to one target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So for me, if I'm already doing the Cheville thing where I know I'm going to be blowing up something and doing bounty counters probably on my turn to gain, to draw the card and be able to put the bounty counter back on something else, this one fuels me back into that, right? I also like your idea with the Basilisk Caller, right? I think that card is an all-star in here. So even if I'm only gaining one life on my turn and blowing up one creature, then that turns that one thing into a three for one with the benefits. So mostly I'm running this with another creature that has death touch and then also being able to force people to sacrifice other creatures. Hmm. So it's a bit it's a bit of a slimy pick because I don't this card for me always has read very well, but it's still been in my binder since I opened it in jumpstart, mm -hmm. right? 
So I've just been waiting and waiting and waiting. I think it's worth at least trying out in this deck. So yeah, I could see this being, you know, you're already all in on the only your upkeep. So I think it going to only your instep, I think it's worth running. I mean, four, four, death touch for you think five. So? Yeah. The potential that maybe you could have someone uh, sacrifice a creature. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. And and each and and I think even better, it's each opponent, yeah. right? It's not just target. Now the question that's why I've, the question though is how many creatures or how many ways do you have to gain life outside of Cheville? So that's I think that's a good question, and I think that's why I if if I may, Basilisk Caller is such a good addition, mm. right? Because that's going to be something that I want out early. Like that would be a great to your point. Basilisk Caller would be a great tutor for um, Vargoth. Oh yeah, like, first time he swings out, right? Because even attaching it to him to give him lifelink if I'm going to the red zone all the time, that works. Um, and I checked, I have five creatures. So, so far, there are five instances of lifelink in the deck, which isn't that much. Yeah. So, I think, uh, but again, the deck is built around Cheville, and he's at least gaining you three life. So, if we go back to your point of the upkeep matters, mm -hmm. that's where I think this card may have some juice to it. Gotcha. Right? So, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't know if it, it's definitely slimy maybe a little sweaty, but I've wanted to put this card into a deck, and I think this is the only one that even comes close to considering for. Makes sense. All right. Yeah. I hope you're ready. I found some very juicy tech. Very, very juicy. Uh, doesn't doesn't okay. really do anything, but it's very juicy. <laughs> well, I mean, this deck doesn't either, right? <laughs> there so you there go. Go. <laughs> uh, I'm going to actually cut Okame Adversary. Three colorless green, okay. creature elf warrior, yeah. uh, uncommon from Throne of Eldrain. It's a 2-3. This T trash set. Yeah, trash set. The spell costs two less to cast if your opponent controls a green permanent. Most likely they're going to have it, but you know, it's greens. Let's just say this green's not as common as blue. So, you know, where a carpet of flowers, you're guaranteed to get value. Yeah. This could be a 50 50, uh, but it does have death touch. And when it deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. I just think for the technical low end, four mana death touch for a two three that it has to connect to draw a card, I'm not a fan of it. It's a little, little, little expensive for me. Mm. So yeah, um, I think. Oh, go oh, ahead. No, you don't go ahead. I don't want to say what I want to say because I'm worried that it's going to be the thing that you're putting in. So <laughs> I'll just let you continue. So the card I want to add in, you can either get a copy from Masters Twenty Five for under two bucks, or a copy from Legends for hundred and fifty. <laughs> it is legal in Commander. Okay. Don't have to worry about that. Good. I I, I can see you feverishly checking. <laughs> We are going to add for the same CMC, the true CMC for Hell's Caretaker. Three colorless black creature horror. It's a rare. It's a one one tap. Sacrifice a creature. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate this ability only during your upkeep. Oh, just turn it into a real upkeep matters. So uh, do you see where you go infinite? I have no idea. What, I have no. I have no you, idea what you're doing you, right you now. You go infinite with Thornbite Staff and Hell's Caretaker. So let me let me tell you exactly what it does and okay. doesn't actually do. You have a creature in your graveyard. You have a creature on the battlefield. You go to your upkeep. You have Thornbite on the Hell's Caretaker. You tap it. Sacrifice one of your creatures on the battlefield. Return the other creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. That resolves. You get all ETBs. If you could figure out a way to untap Hell's Caretaker, you could then just kind of put it on repeat, and then you just never stop. Um, so, 
it, it's so I have I have I have something because I thought this exact same thing with with Thornbite Staff. Where are you going to get the two mana to pay to tap Thornbite Staff? Mm, what are you talking about? You don't have to because equi equipped creature has two colorless tap. It deals one damage to target creature or player. Yes. And then whenever a creature is put into a graveyard from play and tap this creature, do you not? Do so you have to pay another two colorless and tap? No. Hell's Caretaker specifically states: tap, sack a creature, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. So you sack your creature, you you finish resolving Hell's Caretaker because it's part of the cost. Thornbite Staff sure. triggers, untaps Hell's Caretaker. You can then tap it again, sack the creature you just brought back. You don't need mana. It's free to tap. Yes, you do. Because no, you don't. Because Thorn, Thornbite's... Reread re Thornbite Staff. All right. It says, Equipped Creature has two colorless... Tap. Tap. This creature that's, deals one damage to our creature or player. That's one effect. Right. It has another one. Whenever a creature is put into a graveyard oh, you're from saying, play... So you're just making a loop? Okay. Yes. So you're not you're not actually attacking anyone no, with no absolutely staff. not you're just going into a loop yeah. okay so you're going into a loop where you could constantly reuse ETBs on your fight creatures so you could literally fight the entire board okay. you, you <laughs> could do right. anything you want and you can stop it whenever you want because you don't have to continue but I think this sure. could be a cool thing like how nice would it be to just literally reuse I don't know Hornet Queen and Kogla the Titan Ape. Let's just keep going and, and, over and, and over make, and over You basically again. would have infinite insects with flying and death touch to like go out and kill people. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you could do here uh, with it. The Altasaur, you go infinite with it. Um, so that's that's my quote unquote pitch. Hell's Caretaker. Interesting. It's a very weird card. It only works with Thornbite staff. Um, it's only an upkeep thing, which you're big on anyways. Yes, which I, I guess I like. I guess I like so that. So I think this could just be a cute way that it gives you something oh. to do. You could stop it whenever you want. You don't even have to tell your opponent yeah, yeah. it goes infinite. You're just like, oh, I'm going to do this like twice and get wood elves and whatever. Just get, Oh, you just play wood elves and just get every forest out of your like, <laughs> out of your out of your uh, all, all library 12 of untapped. Them. All 12 oh, of good them. Good lord. It's a. I. I'm not. I'm not entirely opposed to it. Um, Under two especially bucks. Especially for two dollars. Yes. Yes. All right. All right. I. I will see if a local game store has this because I have to go trade some cards. And, today. and look, this is a two card combo that does go infinite, but it sure. doesn't win the game. It doesn't stall out the game. You stop it whenever you want. So all of your personal reservations against combos kind of goes of, away. Of combos, it kind yeah. of goes away, and it's just value. Or it could win you the game because you literally clear the entire board, and now you yeah. bring back your poison dude and kill everyone. So, poison dudes. Uh, so before we end, before we end the episode, there's a card in here that I have a very long relationship with. It was the first card that I cut into my prosh deck when I first started playing. And I think I've always tried to make it work. This is a deck that I feel like it may, but I'm still not sold on it. And that card is Reaper of the Wild. So two colorless, black and a green for a four or five creature Gorgon. Whenever another creature dies, period, scry one. For a black, it gains death touch until end of turn. And then for a colorless and a green, it gains hexproof until end of turn. So I, I have lost the ability to look at this card fairly because... I, I opened it in China, right? I played it in China. And then when I moved back and got Prosh, I was like, boom, like I can immediately make this deck better into it. 
So I have completely lost the ability to look at this objectively. In this deck, it does get death touch. The hexproof thing doesn't really matter. And there is going to be a lot of another creatures dying to scry out the top of my deck. I just don't, I can't tell if this is a card that's like, it's sweaty in the deck. It's a spice. It actually is good. So what is, what is your thought on Reaper of the Wild? So here's my thought on a generic, let's just call it Golgari deck. I think it's a, I think it's a good card. Uh, I think it would be worth running. Sure. I think the issue with Prosh and with Cheville, potentially Cheville, um, if you definitely go my direction, it'll go this way. The decks where you have lots of creatures dying is where this card isn't as good. Because anytime I ever mm. see effects with Scry 1, I always get to the point where it's like, oh, well, I got, I, I want to keep that. I got 15 more Scrys yeah. that I can't do anything right, with. Right, right, right. So that's where this card loses its luster, is in a deck like a Prosh, where you're probably sacking seven or eight Kobolds. You looked at like two cards, and it's like, well, I want to keep that. I guess I'm not going to use my yeah, other I'm six. Gonna, I'm going to win on this next. I'm going to, like, in this pile off the initial, I'm going to win. So the uh, rest of it's just like, Trash. all right, pass, yep. right? And yeah, so yeah. Cheville, depending on how much true killing you're doing, if it's something where creatures are dying, let's just call it two, three times a rotation, then I think it's actually worth keeping in because being able to look at the top okay. potential three cards of your library, you're basically topping to an extent. That's not bad. That's mm. that's decent value. But if you do see like, man, I got like six, seven, eight creatures dying, which is good. That means your decks are doing what it wants. This card's value just depreciates because it's not like there's a way to draw cards on this thing. Like whenever another creature dies, either scry one or draw a card or something like that. Or pay two and draw. Or, or even yep, surveil. Yep. Like that would that oh, would be God, better. Yeah. So that would be so much better. I think you better. just need to evaluate if you're under, let's just call it under five creatures of rotation dying, keep it in. If you go more than five, I'd probably cut it. Yeah. And do you think, so, and do you think in this deck, if it didn't have the ability to gain death touch, it's immediate cut? No, I don't think so. Cause you run other things in here that okay. just deal with like creatures dying. You get an effect. Sure. You know, we literally, uh, you know, talked about death reap ritual that literally happens once yeah. per turn, draw a card. So it's like you have that and there's no death touch or anything. It just needs creatures dying. Well, this also just needs creatures dying. It's just the difference between mm. the enchantment and a creature. So creature, this would yeah. be that perfect no, creature where we talked about earlier. Um, if you put in Basilisk Caller, you can start including the non-death touch stuff because you know you can give it at some point. This is the... Right, right, if right. It, even if, if it didn't have that black thing and you're like, Mr. Combo, I'm adding in Basilisk Caller, be like, oh, we'll throw this in. Like, it, you know, if you have both out, now it has a death touch. But if you don't, it's basically a scry effect for death reap ritual. Right, right, right. Okay, cool. I just, like I said, I have a weird, I have a very attached history to Reaper of the Wilds. So I just want to make, I just wanted to see if I had just completely lost my mind or where no, we're No, you're at. fine. I have the same thing with Alter the Brood. It should go in every deck. Well, hey guys, we're at the end of the episode, and as promised, uh, we got a new giveaway for September. It is my birthday month, so we're going a little big. Woo! We're giving away a Zendikar Rising booster box with four CMD Tower playmats and four packs of sleeves. To enter, it's super easy. Just promote the content we put out. You get an entry for every interaction you do with us on social media. We will announce the winner on MTG Action 4 News October 6th and our Twitter and social media account soon after. And yes, these uh, giveaways will happen every month. It could be a sweet little deck like this. It could be a booster box. It could be random cards. Just really depends on what we want to hook you guys up with. But we would love a five-star review and a follow on whatever consumption platform you're watching us on. Um, you know, doing that helps others in the algorithm and the interwebs find our content. 
Now, if you'd like to get a hold of us and find out more ways to enter into the contest, here's exactly how you can do that. You can reach our main account at CMD Tower on Twitter. Reach me at Mr. Commodore 5 on Twitter, all spelled out except for the five. Big Tuck, where could people reach you and your celebratory birthdays that you give random celebrities? Uh, I may or may not have missed that this week because I don't have an excuse, but I am at Big Tuck Tweeting. I have been way more active on the Twitter verse, so at least I'm trying. Well, you're making more of an effort than I am. I can barely keep up with our Discord, our Twitter, and my OnlyFans subscription. Just kidding. Not really. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> well, no, not no, no, no. Yours is just cooking, right? Yeah. So like, nothing happened to you. Oh, that's this right. Week. Yeah. yeah, you're just you're just yeah, cooking it's up. Just, yeah, you're just, it's just magic stuff. content and cooking. That's all, all I do. Uh, also, we do have a website where we will have this deck list and article posted. cmdtower.com slash bnbe105. Basically type in Commander Sphere, Malakir Rebirth, Death Reap Ritual, tower.com. Squeamy Gee, if people want to find and get a hold of your Manolith commentary, how would they do that? He can do everything you need from an audio perspective, does have drum sets, guitars, keytars maybe, who knows, that could be a future edition. Uh, microphones. I, I, almost gave him, I almost gave him the melodica, uh, which is the one that I played the Game of Thrones oh theme on. Oh my gosh. Um, basically, he does all the audio editing for our channel, and if you would like him to help you out, you should definitely reach out. Now, our awesome video editor, T-Coats, Tyler, at underscore T-Coats on Twitter, does all the video editing for CMD Tower, plus many other content creators. He's a great guy. Reach out to him for projects. He's always looking to sharpen his skill set. And also, hit him up. Let him know what you'd like to see different on our uh, YouTube pages. Even if, dreadfully, it's wanting to see Mr. Combo and Big Tuck's faces in the video. I don't know if you want it. In the, in the face! In the face! In the face! Not you, fat Jesus. Slide it off. Well, uh, guys, uh, another way that you can support us is head over to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash CMD Tower. Uh, we have all the different tiers like we talked about. Thank you, Spencer Rabbits, for being a supporter, I think, from like day one. Uh, I think it was like Almost, him, yeah. Chuck the Slice, and uh, Redacted Nick the Uncle Hotness. Uncle AJ. Uncle AJ. Yeah, I think those were a few of the cores. Oh, yeah, the hotness, man. Lemony Lemons. Was he a day one? Gotta give gotta give him a shout. Oh, he was close. Yeah. Like he's been around. He's been around for well, a while. Well, thank you, Spencer, for helping us out with the voices on this episode, as that's just one of the numerous things we uh, give to our community to kind of feel like they're a part of the process. So definitely head over. Uh, plus, you get additional entries into the monthly giveaways when you're a part of our patron community, on top of all the social media interactions you may do. Now, if you can't afford a monthly subscription and you would like to still pick up some of the swag, head over to our store, cmdtower.com/merch. Uh, there's a redacted bit somewhere in that fog of a bit. Uh, so yeah, Ooh. please, we got play mats, we got sleeves, we got coins, we got all sorts of stuff that's CMD Tower branded, and it's very, very nice quality. Now, if you're an existing patron and you have a friend, frenemy, or someone from your LGS you'd like to recommend, we'd only take those three categories. We will not take significant others. We will not take uh, estranged ants or uh, maybe a little overzealous at Monopoly cousins. Only those three. Uh, oh, the worst. Have them join our patron community and then have them send us a message letting them know which legacy patron member 
recommended they join. And we will send you, depending on the tier they sent up, just a little thank you. You know, it could be some product, it could be a signature, it could be a photo of Mr. Bubs. Who really knows? The mystery is there. Uh, there listen, there... And so I, I just sent you the last card that I needed for the fan submitted deck that we gave away last month. And there may or may not be some sort of drawing in there. So don't completely rip the envelope up. Wait, you ship that deck in an envelope? No, oh. no, 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 no. I sent you. I <laughs> No, 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 no. I shipped you the deck. And then remember, there was one yeah. card left over. I shipped. I just put that in the oh, mail. Okay. In an envelope. Woof. Okay. I just got Woof. that. <laughs> Well, Tuck, I'm about to have a heart attack. <laughs> Chevelle, the butcher of Ikoria, can you kill me? I feel like I need it. About died. Uh, how do you feel about this deck? This is one that you specifically requested that we do yes. over one of our other segments. So, do you feel like you have a better grasp on it? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think you know, I, even though it doesn't make for great content, which I disagree. I think the fact that we hit so many of the same cards. And the ones that you talked about were ones that I put in here intentionally makes me believe that it's it's well built. I still even with the without the Hell's Caretaker rigmarole, which is not bad. I still I just I think you're you made something out the gates of saying like this is like a 50 percent deck. Right. So I think if I just I think if I try to turn this into like some sort of crazy competitive control lockdown rigmaroles, it's not gonna be fun mm -hmm. anymore. So I think with all of the in, with all of the cuts and ads that we talked about, including things like Bo Nylea and leaving in things like um, the Reaper of the Wilds, I, I think we I think it's I think this deck will continue to be fun for me and maybe just maybe just slightly like it's at five right mm -hmm. now, right in terms of uh, the dial. If we take it to like a six, then and it, it's more consistent. Mm. It's something I'm gonna want to even play even more. Yeah, I uh, I mean, right? I really like the Hell's Caretaker thing. I think it's funny, especially since like Thornbite staff it's, is a big piece of this deck. Um, yes, you know, I, that's I, very I would true. Say yeah. If Thornbite was like a spice card, then yeah, Hell's Caretaker doesn't make any sense. But since it is crucial to the deck, it's like, yeah. why not? I'm halfway debating putting this in my Shirai deck because I think it's like kind of cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I going into it it was like oh we're a death touch dot deck leaving it it's like no i just left fight club which i'm probably going to get death touch because i shouldn't talk about fight club outside of fight club <laughs> right um so i don't know i mean I, i'll have to play against it see how it feels it just at the moment i would agree even with hell's care caretaker and some of the bombs that you have from an etb perspective i still feel like yeah. we're just kind of treading water we're not drowning which is good but we're also not actually like swimming mm -hmm. to the shore for some sort of resolution yeah. Believe it. I was just drowning in this uh, hydro flask. Wait, here we go. Oh my god. Well, guys, I'm about to go read the Bible as I feel like I need to after witnessing that. Bye-bye. <laughs>